Welcome to Let's Talk About Trauma. I'm your host, Kayla Meredith. As a trauma survivor myself, I really wanted to create a space where together we could talk about all things related to trauma. So what you'll find here are conversations that talk about the impacts of trauma, educational points on trauma and trauma healing, but also conversations that talk to people who are sharing their lived experience with it and how they're currently navigating through it. It's important to note that once you listen, you automatically become part of the fam. So thank you so much for being here. Connection, honesty, and realness really are at the heart of what I do. If you enjoy this episode today and would like to further support, please subscribe and head on over to the reviews to comment and say hello. To work with me or learn more about what I do, you can find me by searching at Kayla Meredith or the Move to Heal Project on Instagram and TikTok, or you can click the link below to learn more. I am so excited for all of you to meet my friend, Nicole Brown Faulkner. So Nicole is the founder and CEO of Wounds to Wings Trauma and Psychotherapy Services and of TEAO Canada. So the Trauma and Embodiment Association of Ontario. Nicole is also a yoga instructor, registered psychotherapist, child and youth counselor, trauma consultant, author and trauma survivor. She is a member of the College of Registered Psychotherapists in Ontario and the Canadian Association for Psychodynamic Therapy with over 18 years of professional experience working with marginalized, vulnerable and oppressed communities, individuals, families and children. She has worked extensively with individuals and communities suffering from mental health addictions, systemic poverty and profiling in order to therapeutically improve relationships with government programs and services. My conversation with Nicole was so deeply enlightening and thought-provoking and really looking forward to sharing this with all of you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm smelling so big. (laughs) No, I'm smelling so big. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to chatting and connecting. And I know it sounds a little, you know, like icebreaker questions, but I always like to open the floor and ask for a little introduction if you want, if you'd like to introduce yourself any way that you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're jumping into the me, me. One way I actually like to introduce myself is, uh, you know, as you know, just from having conversations, like authenticity is really important in real connections, like relationship building uh, that I do within the community. So I think in this space, it's kind of fair just to, sh- to share who I am. Um, and it, it comes with like kind of where I've, where I've come from and why I love the color I love now and why I, I have a fitness persona and a, a life outside of my, my psychotherapy practice and the trauma consulting work that I do who I am actually um so I'll introduce my inner child yeah I'm one of 10 siblings and I grew up in uh the region of Waterloo um I'm a child that grew up out of poverty um and I have suffered every form of abuse uh including uh financial abuse as well throughout my childhood and if you know about trauma what you probably know is that then it uh it, the pattern recreates itself. And so you become a young adult in other relationships that are also the same way um, as it were growing up until you kind of grow those relationships or those unhealed parts of you um, are healed. And so you grow out of those types of relational dynamics. And so that that's who I am in a nutshell. So I like to just introduce my inner child. So thank you for letting me do that. And you know, that with that being said, it meant that I was a, a woman, a young woman at the time that my worth and who I am was in what I could do. So I have a lot of education because it was kind of uh, this light at the end of the tunnel for me. It was like my way out of my childhood, which is if I had my education and if I go away, then I don't have to be part of this. And it actually manifested into actually my worth. And so from that, I, I've always worked in government programs uh, from 22 on. I started in children's aid and all that. And then it landed me in a career that I was in for the past 18 years, which I walked away from in 2018. Like, 
I just grew out of the whole system. I was in the world, but I was not of it. And I found myself just watching everyone and just kind of waking up agitated and irritated or kind of awake. And you're like looking at people like, this is it. Like, this, this is life. Like, this is what we do here. And I uh, left my job, my career and uh, stepped out not knowing, actually, I didn't know like three years later or however long uh, because the pandemic is making me lose a sense of time. Same. Right. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to come of it. But what I did know was that I needed to create a new way of being uh, not only within myself, but like in regards to the work that I do. And so it created wounds to wings. I kind of just rolled out of bed that June and popped up on Instagram, never did it before. And then it created Woods to Wings. And now what I do with Woods to Wings is I become the voice or any information from the back end for the people. So the things people don't want to talk about, I begin talking about it Mm. and doing all that. So it's kind of on the edge, but not really. It's just the mental health stuff that people don't really share. Right. And so that came about. Now, with that being said, I have to live what I'm talking about and doing all that. So It makes me live a very colorful life. (laughs) I love the color blue. (laughs) And I know this is really warm. It does something to me. But also when I want to center myself, I'll look up at the sky or watch clouds. Very calming wherever I am. Whatever mood, usually frustration, annoyance, anger, like that stuff makes me cloud watch or sky watch. So love the color blue. Um, And I love my 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 personal life where I get to enjoy a persona that I have a fitness persona named Mama. And so <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Yes, I'm mama. So, <laughs> so yeah, I get to uh, do spin classes and dance and ride on a bike. I get to do empowerment coaching, confidence coaching, mindset coaching, just from moving our bodies. I do yoga and stretch on this virtual platform. So that's who I am, like in a whole nutshell. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> anything else so I have so many questions brewing around in my head absolutely as per usual being the air sign that I am thank you so much for answering that like so authentically and so beautifully and I feel like I have a really deep understanding of who you are as a person via that answer so just wanted to Mm -hmm. acknowledge that and say I feel really honored to be here with you right now (laughs) I I appreciate you so much. I also this meeting. <laughs> I also love the color blue. Okay. <laughs> but questions about, um, if I may, questions Absolutely. about about wounds to wings. So, mm-hmm. so I understand. So wounds to wings mm-hmm. began at the very beginning of the pandemic, or was it uh, slightly earlier? Yeah, it was before the pandemic. I started wounds to wings, uh, two thousand eighteen. It was June the end of June, 2018. And I didn't know exactly what it would be about, right? What I knew was I had spent years in social work and that I was now registered and regulated as a psychotherapist in Ontario. Mm. What I knew at the time was I did not want to be traditionally sitting in a chair and doing therapy. And so one of the things I did as I got regulated was you have to do a, a, a research or a concentration And so I actually did my research and spent a year and a half researching the inner wounded child of adult survivors of childhood trauma, or what we call complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, it actually had me, well, they actually thought like, well, maybe you should do something smaller. uh, The program thought I was like, well, I'm actually really interested in this. So maybe I shouldn't. And so it meant that the resilience that I used to survive some of my childhood, I use in like, maybe it looks stubborn, I'm not sure, but it it actually brings this surge to then prove it. Like, I'm going to be so thorough with this research, I'm going to go all over the place. So I ended up in Boston, I made connections. uh, So in Boston to the Center of Trauma Embodiment Center, I became certified as a trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga facilitator to embody what I was about to do and research and understand how we learned to be webbed behind who we are or who we think we are. And so I wanted to understand where I learned to hide and who I was because I wasn't all my survival responses. Mm. I wasn't what people saw me as. I was the person behind that, but I didn't know how to get out of that. And so I was researching this construct. And so I had to break it apart in layers and layers and layers to understand our wounds. That's what the inner child is. It says that there's a wound there and we're afraid to come out from behind there. And it is only certain places where we feel safe enough to do that. 
which is with authentic people where you don't have to read or read between that, that hypervigilance, like, did they mean that? Like, mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's about, you didn't feel safe. So it, it allowed me to then begin to explore me and how I began to articulate my wound and how I learned to hide to ensure that my trauma didn't come back again, even though I didn't know that is what I was doing. And it also allowed me to understand people and use my gift in my trauma. Cause my gift in my trauma really is, it gave me eyes that feel like for some reason, so my eyes feel and my heart can see. I don't know what how else to say it other than that. And so it kind of gave me this gift. So I'm like, huh, maybe use it. And so I started outreaching the program and 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 um, offering my practice, my psychotherapy practice in more non-traditional ways, working more with the body, outreaching myself to people because people don't come to services. It's not accessible to the people who need it. Okay. So that's how Winston Wings came alive. I also think too, what I'm, thinking about as you're sharing is Mm -hmm. when you mention this hustle for worthiness, that's something that I relate to. And I think this is the beautiful thing about trauma work or about continuing to do the work ourselves as we're practitioners is in you Mm -hmm. starting your own thing with wounds to wings. That to me feels like the stepping into like what you're called here to do actually Mm -hmm. I think that when we take steps to embrace our spirits, which can feel quite mm-hmm. scary, but like, it's like stepping into that calling is one way to begin to break that tie of hustling for worthiness or like mm-hmm. hustling to prove ourselves. That's something I've been navigating as well in like doing the work that I do is how do we come back to our spirit? Like, how do we come back to like the work and like why we're here? And it feels like that's what you're continuing to do with Wounds to Wings. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that's the essence of TEAO, which I Mm want to ask you about. Um, This sounds a little woo-woo, but it's not. It truly is. Like, that's the energy that I get from the work that you're doing is is that it's like so in alignment with who you are as a person, like on the inside, like it feels like this is what you're supposed to be doing here on this earth. Thank you. Yeah. I'm hoping that uh, it is. Uh, I feel most natural now in interactions and what I'm doing. Um, I remember working. So I worked, I don't know if I can say like the city of Toronto. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Yeah, for years. And I actually ended my career there. um, And there were so many lunch times and stuff. I go for walks like in this Mm. in this space around Church and Wellesley. And it was like I was waiting. I'm like, what is my purpose? Like, what's my calling? It's not this Um, because I knew even working, I worked very uh, non-traditionally, even within all my roles. So I'd end up with different roles, like for they call hard to serves because I had a way of connecting because the way of connecting was I wasn't really systemically doing anything. I was actually just empathically being with people. Mm. And that was the magic. It was effortless. And so, you know, then you have to go and do all the systemic stuff and you have to like do all the paperwork and write all that. But sometimes that's in front of people. But it's mm. like, to me, I was like, you know, I can do that when I get into the office and then actually be with people because I worked with uh, homelessness, poverty, like fear poverty, social services, right? Ontario works is where I ended my career. So yeah, many long walks of like, what am I doing here? So to hear that, I, I, I feel connected and I feel uh, validated. I think so is what I'm saying um, for where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think in, continuing like after we initially connected and although I have been following your work for a while okay <laughs> secretly <laughs> from afar <laughs> but as I am also a TCT SY facilitator but I think too in kind of looking deeper into the work that you're offering via your site it feels to me like you are meant to um shake things up in a really beautiful, positive, life-changing way, like shake up systems, you know, help people, help people in that way. So I really want to ask you more about, now that I'm like done fangirling, (laughs) I really want to ask you more about, about TEAO. Can you, can you explain? Okay. So I'm going to try to explain it because I'm going to hold the audience, even though I don't know who they are. 
Yes. But I'm going to speak as if they, I'm going to speak to them. Yes. <laughs> so I, wounds to wings. I, I've used this philosophy or way of being to branch into a nonprofit organization that I have been working with since that time, 2018 as well, except I envisioned it more uh, in 2019 and then began creating a proposal for it, like a pretend proposal. Uh, it was part of a program I was in, and I just thought instead of doing a paper that they asked or um, a grant proposal, really envision this way of being or philosophy and create my organization. And so that started TEAO. TEAO is the Trauma and Embodiment Association of Ontario, and it is a processing center for trauma and embodiment. And so what I'll say is a couple things. When we talk about trauma, number one is that word has got thrown around in pop culture, and it might have lost the meaning maybe of it. Uh, trauma, how I explain it, is actually a form of helplessness that's trapped in the body. So it could be like a, our story. It can be situations. It can be events. So trauma is a form of helplessness and a paradynamic over that you feel you can't escape from. And it can do something to the nervous system, okay? So you can see that can come in many forms, even though it tends to come in the ways that we know, like through abuse um, and different forms of abuse. So we really don't have any spaces to process our grief or our trauma or anxiety, depression, and all that. And so this place has become a psychological first aid training center and an embodiment education hub and a referral and assessment center. So the one way I like to say it is like we have a hospital for the body, but we don't kind of have a hospital for mental health. And so it really is an embodiment training center. And it'll do a couple of things like it'll amplify and allow spaces for voices who may have been historically ignored and also supporting people who may fall through the cracks of the system in the mental health system. And this resource hub hopefully will help with information about mental health, more focus, more awareness, create more dialogue um, and topics for folks in communities, especially communities that have been ignored and neglected. And also to offer, uh, create a safer place for, for healing and focuses on um, this word again, and we can talk about it more later, embodiment, um, especially when we, we work with, with trauma because trauma is actually stored on the body. It can, you can do it through talk therapy, but our feelings are memories and our body holds our story in it. And so when I work with trauma clinically, like as a psychotherapist with my clients, I really kind of practice this concept that is called bottom up approach. So with TAO, what I'm doing anyways, is I am going to get to the clients and the people that we're going to be working with, but I have a top down approach. So I work top down with management, leaders, frontline, first responders, and all that, because these individuals, as I work towards changing a different ripple effect in the mental health care system, it's individuals that create systems. And for some reason, what happens is there's a lot of healing work, I think, that may be needed. And when we don't, we actually mirror back trauma into the organizations and agencies and people that we're working with. And so I am implementing um, some embodiment training, some education like that for the, our frontline or the leaders uh, so that we lessen the impact in these structures as I begin to work with the people who I want to work with, which are the clients that may be lost in the cracks of the system. So all to say that uh, it's the training focus around the center um, is about going inward, okay, and, mm -hmm. and, and bringing unconscious rooted connections or biases, fears to subconsciousness so we can begin to work with it. And so that we're not projecting back into others, our own trauma or our own unconscious uh, pain. I have, have so many questions floating around in my head, but I think just to affirm that work is so, so needed. When I got my facilitator certification, I started to dial into what was happening, not just in my own sphere, but in the sphere of like, in like my neighborhood or city or globally, and like looking at where things are and are not trauma informed. And it was so shocking to me to begin to notice that there are a lot of institutions, you know, 
positions where people hold a lot of authority and power where there's like no trauma informed anything happening. And it's doing exactly that. Like it's exactly what you described where people might be mirroring their own, their own trauma or there's like trauma responses happening left, right and center. And then like things just keep not being trauma informed. Mm -hmm. And then it's creating all these different cycles. And that's what gets me really excited about that work, the work that you do, because it's so needed. It's so needed. And I think it takes a particular kind of person to do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And my, my next question is, or I guess that was more of like a, a comment, but my, my, my other question is like in talking about first responders. So with TEAO, is the education um, or training happening through workshops? Are they programs? Like if there are people in front lines listening, um, obviously the information is available on the site, but uh, what what do those offerings look like? This is off script, but like, what do those offerings look like? <laughs> so right now the offerings look like training and workshops. And so uh, the training and workshops are done over weekends because the, the type of training that it is, it's embodiment training is what we call it. But what we're, we're really doing is we're doing uh, resistance education or fear education. So the place where you don't want to go, which is inward, we go first. And then once you connect to yourself, then you can connect to the learnings. Um, and that is intentionally done because again, if we are trauma-informed and we're working in these, these uh, environments, if we're not able to connect to ourselves or feel for ourselves or have compassion for ourselves, then we won't have compassion or empathy for anyone else. And so it, be- it becomes an internal journey inward. I'll show you something. So have you ever like been driving down the street and stuff, right? And you're just like popping your tunes and you're like just kind of in your own world and you're driving down the street. You're not looking at how fast you're going or anything like that. But then you kind of look up and then there's a sign and it says, drive like someone you love lives here or drive like your child lives here. And you're like, hold on. Right. Why did we pause and connect? Well, it was internal. It was like, you saw someone right there. You saw your Nana, you saw your child or something, and then you could feel, and then you went, okay, I won't Mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's the same type of concept, which is Anything we're teaching, everything we teach in our trainings to our mental health clinician, practitioners, first responders are all cognitive. And that's not where we live. If you are in these frontline services, especially first responders, keep in mind that there's possibilities that you have trauma, Mm. possibilities, okay, from just witnessing things over and over again. Now, when we want to do some work in regards to that or connect, it, it may not be a cognitive thing because what it is, is it's, and I'm going to talk clinically, it's a limbic thing. <laughs> it's a back of your brain type of thing. And what's going on in that part of your brain, which is just detecting safety or not danger or not. And so we can be trapped there when we have trauma on our bodies and the way that our, the loop around the brain goes, it doesn't go anywhere past that. So if we continue giving cognitive trainings and all that stuff and what to do and how to do it and all that, we may not be helping our bodies and our trauma that we're trying to connect to. We stay in survival. And so the embodiment training that we offer is that invitation to this internal experience because it begins to build self-awareness. And that part of the brain is connected to the limbic system. So then you can begin to make some connections and begin to treat your body that's storing the impact Mm -hmm. day after day and and event after event, okay? Which lessens symptoms of PTSD, CPTSD, anxiety, depression, okay? Yeah. As I'm listening to you share about this, what I'm thinking about is how it feels scary to do that kind of work. And then my other thought was, I think a lot of people for many different reasons are, are in a fear response now, but then they're moving, they're afraid and then they're moving to avoidance and attachment. And what I keep thinking about is, okay, but what if we're fearful both ways? Maybe the way to go in fear is to like, is inward instead of outward. Mm-hmm. Like if we're going to feel fear, no matter what, can we possibly entertain the option of at least using that fear to channel going inward versus detaching more? And I say that not lightly. Like I, I, I am saying that on the sense of like, yes, it's very scary 
to go inward. I, I, I don't want to diminish that by any means and be like, this is the obvious choice is like to feel the fear and go inward. Like it's, it's not an obvious choice. It's very challenging, but I, that's what I was thinking about as you were sharing was like, I think globally, especially now there's more fear than ever. So this work it's needed now more than ever. And reconnection is, you know, like learning how to reconnect to our body is the way back to ourselves. In, in, in my opinion. Absolutely. And there was another thought I had. Yes. It was about a question I had about, okay. When you mentioned humans falling through the cracks of the medical system. So this brought me back to the talk that you did with Jen Turner. Mm-hmm. So you were chatting with Jen about marginalized and oppressed vulnerable communities. And in that talk, you mentioned exteroceptive vigilance, which when I was listening, I I just had a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, because obviously I want to set this up, but like Mm -hmm. I did fall through the cracks of the medical system. However, I'm understanding and recognizing my, my privilege as in being a white woman and saying that. And so I imagine and know that there are so many humans that have fallen through the cracks of the medical system that are not white. And that experience of falling through the cracks has been so much more detrimental. And I think when you were speaking about that being in spaces where there aren't other bodies mirroring you, it framed things for me in a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why I'm bringing that up is just to affirm like the importance and need for the, the kind of work that you're doing. But can you possibly expand a little bit more on this from a somatic standpoint? Okay. Okay. So lots of things here. And so I'll break it down a little bit. I'm going to talk about trauma responses. So the thing about trauma responses is we can live in them and not know we're living in them because the trauma responses are actually our behaviors. Like our fight response is a trauma response and it can look like being very controlling or um, argumentative, you know, those are behaviors. Our flight response can look like eating disorders and all these things. So we have five trauma responses. And so I'll say that for a training weekend. But what I'll say is that in each of these trauma responses are behaviors, and we can stay living in those behaviors for a long period of time. So there's a couple of things happening here. So in the cracks of the systems, a lot of people are within the cracks of the system. So homeless people are in the cracks of the system. Historically ignored people are in the cracks of the system. Different communities like the LGBTQ community can be in the cracks of the system based on if they're suffering from mental health or they have communities and all that. Lots of people are stuck within the cracks of the system that may be in their own trauma responses and mischaracterizes their identity. Like that's that crazy homeless guy or the guy who always yells out. So then they become these invisible things or they are judged by their, the responses that they're in. Again, they're mischaracterized. It's mischaracterized as their identity when it's actually a trauma response. Okay. So that's the notion about trauma responses, just giving that a notion. Now I'm going to bring in like um, communities, like marginalized communities. I guess now these days uh, they're saying like oppressed communities. We're also saying racialized bodies, indigenous bodies, black bodies. The same notion can go for them, which means that being a, a, pers- a black body, I can only speak for my own history, okay? And what I'll say is that in our DNA, as we know, our epigenetics DNA trauma gets passed down into our nervous system. So your grandmother's uh, nervous system's in you because it was in your mom and now it's in you, okay? So we kind of pass it down through our epigenetics. Now, when it comes to history, like a slave, our slave history, our migration histories, those stories and, and generational trauma and ancestral trauma can be passed down in our bodies as well. What I'll say with my Black histories is that there's 400 plus years of this history going on. And keep in mind when the history was over, which it is actually still going on, perhaps more invisibly in other ways because of systems. And we all suffer like paradynamics around the system. But in regards to the black community, what I'll say is, so when this history was over, this slavery was over, and then we moved back into where, which is up north, we went to, from like nature and grounding and all these things. And then we went to cement and roads and city and all the things our bodies didn't know that the trauma was over yet. 
And what happened probably was that, which I, I feel uh, now being like a clinician is that we stayed in these trauma responses all the time and we had nowhere to process the grief or there was nowhere we could get a sense of normalcy or validate our experience. And so it got webbed into the systems and the ways of being and may have been mischaracterized as our cultural identity. Mm. When we are, these are trauma responses that we are begging invisibly or unknowingly or subconsciously to move out of. Now, why is it important, this exterioception important when we talk about racial healing and that, like the talk with Jen and what you might be bringing in? What I'll say is I watch a lot of documentaries, disclosure, a lot. And <laughs> I'm always analyzing things a lot. I'm an annoying friend, an annoying mom. I do it. Oh. Now, <laughs> what, <laughs> this comes up to mind. So this, see how this is useful, watching all these documentaries. I watched this documentary on, I'm not sure because I watched many, but what came out of it was there was a veteran and he lost his leg. He had a lot of phantom pains. And he was suffering his pain, like in his trauma, okay, and having a very symptomatic is what we call it. And so he went to this clinic and they offered neuro emotive technique. I never heard of it. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And they took a mirror and they put it beside his leg. And that was part of his treatment. And so the way his, his body fired off to see his leg, it created this sense of normalcy or validation. And so his fear, his shame, his guilt, like all the things that he was working through, um, being suffering from his symptoms of PTSD, minimized just from mirroring that the leg was there by mirroring the leg that he had. Okay. Because he had lost his leg, you see, and the phantom pains. And so that is something to bring in where I might be bringing why it might be important to have more spaces where we can mirror our bodies back to create this sense of normalcy. Because when it's not, we stay in our, our shame, like, okay, there's something wrong with me. Okay. My hair is too dark or my lips bigger or her lips not so big. So it actually begins to uh, um, exasperate our symptoms, right? Be it asymptomatic, so we don't really know, or symptomatic, they can exasperate them by not having mirrored spaces to work through these trauma responses that may be mischaracterized as their identity. Okay. Is that helpful? Is that too much? Or no, like, it, okay. It's not too much at all. And thank you for answering that in depth because I didn't even know how to word the question. It like the wording of the question didn't wasn't even indicative of like <laughs> the response that I know you were going to share. So my apologies for the wording of the question, but I I really wanted you to share in depth because when I first heard this in the interview, it makes so much sense. I didn't know there was the ties to the documentary, but I think in, in listening to that, where my mind goes is, wow, there's so many spaces where that isn't happening. Not to default negative, but it's, it's I think, a, a reality. And that's heartbreaking and needs to change. Being mindful of time. Is it okay if I ask a few more questions? I would love if you did and, and explore this a little bit more because there's another element you're bringing in, I feel. So let's, I'm going to wait for you. Go ahead. Well, I was going to, I was going to take it to what you were talking about, what we had talked about previously about um, trauma and hiding and how fear has power. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So let's go there. Okay. Because uh, yeah, we've had some brilliant connection chats in that in our short connections together, but where we get on a call, I'm like, wow, have I known her? Um, <laughs> in another life. In another right. life. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So this is a thing about lear learning to hide. So like I kind of mentioned that before, but for, for this sake, I'm going to share kind of also what I was talking about in that video with Jen, which is healing work is the systemic change. Okay. So I'll show you something. Again, I'm going to keep saying, I'll show you something. Please, okay. I'm here. <laughs> See, where we are unconscious. So let's be who we are. Do you identify as a white body or how would you identify? White body. Okay. So let's maybe role play for the audience or something here. Okay. Okay. So, so I identify as I'm a black body and I'm going to show you how healing work may be important. And where we've learned to hide. So where we learn to hide is not a negative thing. It's saying that we all have learned to be and who we are. We've learned to be who we are, which means that's not necessarily who we, who we are, okay? 
It's who we learn to be. And then mm. when we do any type of healing work, we unlearn that to learn who we are before we learned who we should be yes. or who we're supposed to be. Yes. Okay. Now, healing work is a systemic change because let's do an exchange. So you're a nurse and I'm going to role play, make you a nurse with a white body. So you're a white body nurse. Hey, I am a patient, even though we're talking about medical system, mental health system, justice system, it's kind of the same kind of scenario. Okay. So I'm going to come in today and I'm a patient and I'm a black patient. Now you can't see it. So let's talk about relational injuries because relational injuries are like physical injuries. Like I'm coming with a gash in my head and you're about to look at it and treat it to stitch it, but it's a gaping, I'm sorry to the audience, but, but a, a gash in my head. Okay. Now it's invisible. Because relational injuries are, you can't see anyone's uh, relational injuries and they are perhaps the most impactful ones, okay? And so I've come in now and I'm like, okay, white body nurse, I'm waiting for my treatment and you come towards me. Now, this is where I'm going to go. If for some reason in your limbic system, it's subconscious, you're not really attached to it, but there's some guilt about something, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick up on that. Yeah. My limbic system, because we're reptilians, like we're kind of, we're innate. We go by gut and a feeling the back of my mind. I'm going to pick up on that. And I'm going to be like, Oh, something's not really. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to be kind of reluctant to receive care yeah. because somewhere in your unconscious or how you're posi- behaving or doing, there's an unowned sense of guilt to this. Okay. Now, this is what I'm showing with in, in mirrored spaces. And so it's important that we work with our stories. So then you would work with your guilt story that says, oh, that was my uncle. And he had, he had nothing to do with me. I'm feeling responsible for it. I'm feeling accountable for it. And then you get to then show up authentically and say, I don't know if you're feeling that I'm uncomfortable or anything like, but I'm not. Is there anything I, you need to uh, let you be comfortable or do you need anything? Now I'm being seen and I'm actually reading what I, my gut's saying, because you have that awareness. You've done that healing work and go, oh, I was carrying accountability for that. I was mm. kind of feeling responsible for my uncle gaping her head open, but it, it had nothing to do with me. He suffered his own mental illness and I, I'm upset that he did that and I'm aware of the guilt. Then you can articulate it and we can have a shared authentic experience and you can put me first. You can privy me. You can say, is there anything you need? Or do you want anything in this to make you more comfortable? Um, I'm feeling you're not right. You're just narrating the authenticity in there. If you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So if you're not aware of your attachment to your guilt or your whatever, the shame or anger or whatever it is, then you're projecting it unknowingly. Yes. And this is where I would think it would be so important to do things like implicit bias, like taking implicit bias tests. Well, obviously also in accordance with doing the work, but something like implicit bias where we might not think we're biased, but we, we really are everyone's biased in some way. And that's what I'm thinking about as well as like, okay, implicit bias might lie there. Um, And then my other thought was, okay, as the nurse, either I'm going to be aware that, okay, I had a gash on my head from this person, or I'm not aware of it. And so I'm understanding then what you're saying is the transparency piece is very important. So just say, I am aware of it. Then I can be like, Hey, this is what's coming up for me right now. Mm -hmm. And I want to meet you in this space and help you, but I'm feeling X, Y, Z, or this is what's coming up for me. Then what you're saying is the transparency will allow your limbic system to be like, okay, she's now this is lining up. Like there isn't a dissonance there. She's Mm -hmm. recognizing. And then she's talking about it. Is that correct? Yeah, it's exactly that. Because keep in mind, inside fear. So our trauma responses are fear responses or survival responses. But it's like a kinder surprise. It's a kinder egg. You know, when you break it open, there's like a poof, and then there's a treat in it. Well, our yes. power dynamics in it. So mm-hmm. if we don't know, then we begin to um, overshare, try to fix, overprotect. And that's a power dynamic. You see what I'm saying? It's a fear response, but inside fear is power. And so when we begin understanding our implicit biases or where we're showing up, we're actually opening it up so that we don't need to use. It's not power that's being negative. It's being it's power trying to control the fear 
response that that is that you're not attached to okay so it then disarms it it opens it up okay and then you get to see that where you could get to then give yourself choices or but really it's more awareness is your choice but a choice to the to the the folks that you're working with for example okay like you, you see what i mean uh with that it's kind of hard outside of a training weekend because we get to yes. spend more time but yes. for here i like to introduce like the fear and power dynamics and how they both interplay okay to stay safe that's what fear is trying to do fear responses trauma responses is trying to control a feeling of safety or less charge or energy okay so then the hypothesized other way that that interaction could go as me as a white body identifying nurse is if just say I'm not aware of it at all, I can't make that connection. I cannot speak to it. I'm not aware of any implicit bias. What happens then? Like what, what road is that? I mean, might be mm -hmm. a slippery slope question, but then well, I'm, obviously, traumatized. I'm triggered without knowing that I'm triggered possibly. And then I'm possibly then inflicting that trauma on you in that yeah. treatment. And then again, from a hypothesis, because I'm trying to say this out loud as I'm figuring it out, but I imagine I'd be triggered, I interact with you, and then possibly am not acting from a, a place of safety, which you pick up on. And then it's not just me that's unsafe, it is the entire, because I represent the hospital. So then it becomes the hospital that is unsafe, the team that becomes unsafe, the events that could follow that might be, I'll never return back to that hospital again. I hate hospitals. I hate the medical system. Like it could pro probably then culminate out. Hmm. That would be where my thought would go, but please correct me or include any additional, like if I'm wrong or I, I'm yeah. not sure, but. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And yes, that nurse is the system. Wherever we show up, we are showing up as the system. Yes. Because okay? individual create systems, okay? So that nurse is the system. And yeah, maybe for uh, me as a patient of black body and also for anybody who has suffered trauma, what happens in that interaction when they're not awake is that they're re-traumatized. So they're left in their helplessness, which is re-traumatizing. They're left without the normalizing or validating their experience that's re-traumatizing. Okay. And so that's a power dynamic. It says, I have to come to you because I do need this sewn up. It means that I will regress. I will regress into back into a wound. So it says, I was told, so this is probably real, like I'm seen and not heard. Yes. So I then become quiet. That's in my personal story. Someone else might be one that acts out uh, because that was the only way they could. And so then they begin to act out and they're like, see, that's the crazy guy that comes in. All, right. Okay. So what happens for you is you re represent the system. And what happens for me is I get re-traumatized and I'm regressed into a wound. And that's, mm. I'm re-triggered and a trigger is a wound. It says I'm back in a wound and I'm in a past place and I'm living out from it. And I don't know that. And so that's the behavior that's being presented. Mm -hmm. Re-traumatizing. Okay. I'm formulating this question. How can I word this? So just say we're interacting. This is like possibly a third scenario. Okay. What if they're coming into the hospital and maybe the hospital itself is not safe, but then the nurse is just acting briefly. Like all they can do is be an empathetic witness. Maybe the room that they're being treated in is like an open room and like that open room is not safe or there's language that's happening floating around in the room that's not safe. But the one offering that I can give as a white bodied nurse is to somehow be an empathetic witness, to be like, hey, I understand this is how I might be appearing right now. Or like, I understand that you might be having big emotions and feelings right now, or that this place might feel unsafe, but I see you. I guess where this question is going or how it's being formulated is in the midst of unsafety or like an unsafe environment or an unsafe institution, even though the nurse might be representing the institution, but can we at least be an empathetic with like, is that like one thing where if someone's listening, they're like, I'm not sure about my own stuff. I, I understand that I rep might represent this company I'm working for this or this institution that I'm working for. And in the interim is just offering out of being an empathetic witness, a good place to start. Does this question make sense? It does. <laughs> and it's everything that's yeah. healing empath. It's the empathic witness. 
I feel we may be unable to be an empathic witness if we are not connected to our own story. So right. with your awareness, what you're right. saying is you have awareness of this now. And you also have awareness about the environment. And so two things that are profound and healing and needed. It's very simple, actually. Just that the ability to be authentic is difficult for folks. It's complex. Right. And the empathic witness. But it's that simple. That's healing work. Giving people choices, shared authentic experience. And that empathic witness that actually comes out from a shared authentic experience, which is, yeah, I work here and it looks like I'm probably part of this, but I don't believe in this at all. I'm sorry that you have to be sitting here. Is there anything you need? Yes. Empathic witness. That's healing in itself. Right. Talk about hospitals. Like, pretty sure I was there a couple of weeks ago because I'm back. But what I'll say is I had two scenarios too, like real life, like, one hospital, which was so stoic, it was like almost an institution. And so the first time I went, it's like going in, nobody talked, cared. It was like line work, like you're an object. Well, wasn't I miserable? I was like, I'm never coming back. How could they? And I'm, you know, and then the week after I get a different experience, I go to another hospital and I'm just talking about care, empathic with witness, saying authenticity here. That's all I'm talking about. And I go to another hospital. Not only were they busy, they had paramedic beds lined up with people waiting and the eMERGE was full, but they cared. And what a difference. The doctor was like, I know you're waiting long. They just saw me. And it was like, even though I was like, oh, in this back pain. And they said, I, 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 I see you. I know you're waiting long. Nerve pain in the back is very difficult. I'm sorry you have to wait. Let me know if you need anything. I'm like, I need ice. That made the world a difference from that experience to the one I had a week before where everybody was cold, disconnected, no awareness. Okay. So isn't that everything when it comes to healing work an empathic witness and the authenticity, right? I think. Yes. And I think then inadvertently I'm like, okay, well then my question is, is it almost like cancels itself out because I'm saying if I'm not aware of it, that asking this question, but anyone who's, who's offering out the notion of like, I see you. Mm-hmm. I think that would require some sort of scope because that takes a lot. I think if you're offering out that I see you, then that's indicating on some degree that you've created space to see yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't see another person if you're not seeing a little bit of yourself. So I think that it, it almost makes a question redundant, but I, I think my reason for asking that was you know, this is why I'm so passionate about trauma and why I really believe in talking about it on my, you know, like personal socials, because everyone needs to know and learn because we're all a part mm-hmm. of like, we all have a role to play, right. period. Mm-hmm. And I just get really fired up when someone's like, oh, this doesn't pertain to me. I'm like, oh, this pertains to you. <laughs> sit down for a second. <laughs> right, right, yeah. But that person might not be connected to their own feelings. Probably That's the not. projection. But you see how we project? Yeah. So like, just like, because our, our feelings are memories. Yeah. In our bodies, you know? Really, if you think about it. And if I'm sobbing and, and my friend rushes in, like, no, it's okay, don't cry. I'd be quite offended because they're not comfortable with my tears or my crying because they're not comfortable with theirs, but I'm very comfortable with mine. So they try to stop mine. No, it's okay. What can I do? Right. So that person may be projecting. So if they can't feel for themselves or like, no, I'm fine. Then they're definitely won't be feeling for others or making space and why that self-awareness part and that Mm. internal journey back inward might be imperative or important to healing work or trauma work. Yes, I agree so much. And that's happened to me before where someone's like, oh my God, don't. And I'm like, listen, let the tears flow. <laughs> They're coming. Final possible final question in regards mm-hmm. to this is, you know, outside of engaging in a training via TEAO or chatting with you more in, in regards to like programs that you're offering, if someone's listening to this and they're like, I want to learn and mm-hmm. grow, where do we start outside of our own healing work? what can we do as a first possible step, an inquiry, 
I feel like that's a broad question and there's so many different answers, but this, I mean. Yeah, oh, I, I might be even biased to it because I would say come to the embodiment training weekends. I am. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Okay. It's internal uh, experiencing um, and education. And so the start might be to become more curious yes. about your own story or your own body and, and information. And that might be a start. Right? Yes. Um, curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also this kind of invitation to, to invite yourself into spaces where you can like, what do you call it? Like a uh, be in spaces where you can hold paradox too, like, oh, I don't like it, but I have to be here. Like these types of spaces or like to be curious rather than to know, like go in with knowing. It's okay to invite yourself into these kind of spaces because they are self-informing spaces, right? Like self-compassionate mm-hmm. spaces. Uh, the comfortable spaces, hey, you already know what to do in those. But moving outside of that might be an invitation to more deeper internal work uh, within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how many times a year do you do the embodiment training? So we our aim is to roll it out six times a year, but we're we're new. Like I've done the training kind of internationally. We just brought it kind of locally here. I did anyways, uh, through the organization in uh, November. So we ran one in November, one in January. We have one coming up end of March, and then we'll have another one in October. So we're at four. But over the next two years, we'd like to roll them out six a year over a weekend and we're beginning to be invited into agencies to uh, run this as uh, processing for trauma responsive work so frontline work right people who are impacted i call this like wounded healers so it makes mm. us passionate workers great at what we do we're wounded healers which means we're being impacted even if we don't know and that's the things that we find in our burnout secondary trauma it says our wounds keep being tapped on uh, behind there. And so we do some trauma responsive education work around that to lessen the impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll make sure also thank you for sharing all of that. And Absolutely. so excited. I'll make sure to link your socials and website in the in the show notes. Um, thank you. I just am so excited about the work you're doing. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. I'm, I I'm just feel it. emitting golden retriever energy right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to continue to do it. You're the <laughs> most authentic dogs, in my opinion. So, you know what? I'll take your authenticity. I'll take it. I'll take it all. <laughs> like being like, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Composure is not in the cards for me today, but um, wanted to thank you so much for joining me in conversation today. And I just feel like there's so much knowledge and leadership and wisdom inside you it's almost like it's energetically it's coming outside your body (laughs) and I feel very grateful to have shared the last hour with you so thank you for for creating space and time to share and to and to be here you're most welcome it's an honor to be in collaboration connection our energy together and sharing and chatting so you're most welcome thank you for inviting me Thank you so much for being here and for joining in on this conversation. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. And please feel free to reach out and say hello on social media. Sending lots of love.